Hello, mother. Hello, daughter. Just like any relationship, the adult mother-daughter relationship takes work. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Miller-Day. And I'm your host, Dr. Allison Alford. In this podcast, we'll discuss the experience of mothering and daughtering in adulthood. We'll explore the topics that matter most to women using both a scientific perspective and an everyday relational lens. Be sure to listen till the end of the podcast to hear our pro tips for both mothers and daughters. Our goal for this podcast is to help women have better relationships and better lives. And of course, don't forget to like and follow us on social media. Hi, this is Dr. Michelle Miller-Day. And Dr. Allison Alford back with you for another episode of Hello Mother, Hello Daughter, our podcast about adult daughters in relationship with their mothers. And today we're talking about connection. I want to tell you a story, Allison, or share the story. (laughs) So I was in class the other day and I teach college students and we were talking about how students stay connected with their moms while they're in college. And usually, and I've taught this class for 15 or so years, and it used to be, oh, I talk with her weekly or we touch base on this, or maybe I will call her every night, which was excessive back 15 years ago. Now in this world of 24-7 social media, literally, I think the average that many of these young women talk with their moms is six or seven times a day, okay? It may not be long conversations, but they touch base. They touch base. They stay connected. These touch points at different points during the day. Now, as you and I know, as young adults move forward, they become more independent and more individuated as individual human beings have their own lives maybe get married, have their own kids, but there's still this notion of staying connected to our moms. What's healthy? What's unhealthy? What are your thoughts about that, Allison? Yeah, you know, connection is one of those constants in in all relationships, but in mother-daughter relationships, it really does change a lot, uh, particularly when you're not living at home with someone. And then you maybe move out of their home. So their type of connection changes. And then, you know, as you get more people in your life and more responsibility, maybe you have less time for that connection. So the connection changes, but is no less important. Um, You know, I noticed it wasn't, I, I kind of have a story about a time when connection changed for me with my mom. I remember this was at least 10 years ago. And my mom was visiting my house and I had my two kids there and they were very little at the time. And I don't remember what sort of dust up we had, but there were some hurt feelings and there were some, uh, you know, uh, I I guess disagreements that we had to work through. Anyway, after she left and after the experience was totally over, I remember thinking to myself, I really want to stay connected with my mom, but I can't do what she wants me to do. I have to do what I need to do. I I realized that when my mom was around, and maybe even when she wasn't around, I'm not sure, I was making decisions as her daughter. And that had to change. I had to make decisions for myself. And those were decisions also related to my family. And I had to be happy with my decisions, whether she was going to be happy or not. But I didn't want to be any less connected to her, but I needed to be individuated right. or different from her. You're a separate person. And from the mom's point of view, it's like, oh my God, she's a separate person now. 
It's not mini-me. We've always been connected at the hip. Now she has her own life. And that's a little threatening from the yeah. mom's perspective. Yeah. Has that happened to you? Oh, absolutely. And I, I was married maybe a year or two when my mom had a conversation with me where she was just very sad. She's like, we used to be best friends. And now since you've been married, you don't come to me as much. I feel disconnected from you. And I didn't feel any different, to be honest with you. I felt like I was very connected to her and I was still going to her with certain things that I thought was appropriate, but I was going to my husband for other things as well. And she felt threatened by that marriage, threatened by that distance. She felt that that marriage was putting in between us. So for me, I think for a healthy mother-adult-daughter relationship, the thing to talk about is how do we maintain our separate lives, our individuality, while still maintaining emotional connection to our mothers? Mm. Do we really need to fully disconnect? And is it a good idea to fully connect? What do you think? Okay, academic hat on here. Most of us know <laughs> the whole Freudian thing that you, to be a fully autonomous, individuated person, um, we need to disconnect and and distance ourselves from our mother, from our maternal figures. I think we've been we've moved away from that in the literature as well as um, psychology and other fields. That yes, we have to become have our own values and beliefs and goals and lives, but we can still stay emotionally connected to our mothers. Um, I'm, I thinking, love I'm thinking of a Venn diagram, right? It's oh, kind of that. a, we got to have some, some connection, not just be completely apart from each other, but uh, the circle shouldn't completely overlap. There you go. That's a very good image. I mean, I, I love this phrase. Every mother contains her daughter within herself and her daughter, her mother. And that is so true. We contain each other within ourselves and we can't escape that, but we still have ourselves, right? We still have our unique selves, but there is that overlap, that part of the Venn diagram where we are shared. Um, I, I will share with you, Michelle, and I've shared with you in this in the past, some of my favorite imagery when we try to think about how are mothers and daughters the same and how are they different? And how can we talk about connection while also talking about uh, separation? You know, how do we hold those two things together? What always has come to mind for me is the Russian matryoshka doll. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, yeah, these are like those stackable dolls. And they, you know, they're kind of um, thick in the middle. So, I mean, they, they represent some of us really well. Uh, and you open one doll and inside is another doll that has the same likeness. And yet we know that the doll inside is different from the first doll, but they also look the same, but they are not the same. Um, and we liked this imagery so much that we used it on the cover of our book, uh, Constructing Motherhood and Daughterhood across the lifespan. That's on the cover. Absolutely. So we have, you know, one smaller one embedded in a larger one, embedded in a larger one, embedded in a larger one. So yeah, this balance between she and me, it's, it's unique to the mother-daughter relationship. It really is. And it's a really difficult dance. So this brings us really to talking point number one. We want to stay connected, but we need to retain our uniqueness. We don't want to be disconnected. 
and we don't want to be what we call enmeshed, mm. where we are really close and mesh, right? There's an expectation of closeness. She is me. I am she. We are we. Right. But we have separate identities as well. And to be clear, enmeshment is not a good word. (laughs) Correct. 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 We have, you know, it's kind of degrees of connection, right? Or enmeshment is you think the way I think. You're expected to feel what I feel. And the personal boundaries between the two of you can become unclear. Which Mm. is not necessarily inherently problematic unless it's chronic over time and expected. On the other end is disconnected, where I live my life, you live yours. We don't have any points of connection, no points of intersection there. What we want is a healthy juxtaposition of those, right? Where we're just connected and tethered to each other lightly. You know, what that makes me think of is... uh, the Venn diagram is kind of like if each of us were a circle, okay? Mm-hmm. If I'm a, I'm a circle and this is, I'm in my circle and here's my mom over here. She's in her circle. Enmeshment is the circles are almost completely overlapping. They're, they're almost exactly the same space occupying, like a very strong Venn diagram. Whereas disconnect is the, the circles are so far away, they can barely see each other. And, uh, maybe the balance or a place that's the most healthy um, and not just healthy, but enjoyable and contributes to life, happiness, and satisfaction is when those circles are right up next to each other, touching, but still individual Mm -hmm. circles. And the picture that comes to mind is actually a pair of cherries on a stem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. it's You know know what I'm talking about? Can you picture a pair of cherries? And it's these two circles. There's two cherries. And they're touching each other because they're hanging from the same stem. So they're connected, they're together, they're obviously some similarity, um, and yet we know there's two cherries. There's, and there's I like that there. analogy, too, because there's some nurturing going on from that stem, right? Getting those nutrients to maintain that relationship right? from that point of intersection, right? Where we could go different. all the way into a family tree and talk about all the nutrients that come from your cherry tree and all the cherry pears on the tree. We could nerd out over family stuff here. We totally could. I think being a separate person and staying emotionally connected is hard. I mean, we have these media images, the Gilmore Girls effect. Really, this notion that we have to sustain this friendship over time and this like incredibly close and cohesive friendship over time, I think has done a slight disservice because that is not the reality for most individuals. Yeah, the the word friendship is pretty damaging. And I would I would say that you and I can agree that if we could eliminate one word from the mother-daughter pair vocabulary or lexicon that we use, it would be this notion of friends, which has quite a different power dynamic than what we actually see in mother-daughter relationships. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about connection and control here. I'm going to transition here because friendship the the implicit notion of friendship is connection, right? That we are connected. We have this voluntary connection here. We like each other. We We want to spend time together. We make each other happy. 
which is great and wonderful, but has this layer of expectations on it too that is somewhat unreasonable in a mother-daughter relationship that has this history. And because control and connection are both created and expressed by similar words and actions. Okay. Okay. You're going to have to tell me that part again. Okay. Control, control and connection are expressed similarly. Are very much. Okay. All right. I'm going with you. Talking point number two. Yeah. We talked about this a bit last episode too. Like saying, are you sure you want to wear your hair down? Maybe pulling it back might be a bit more professional. Or maybe you're going out dressed like that. Oh! (laughs) Rude. Rude. Okay. You don't want to control what I'm wearing. What the heck? This is ridiculous. I'm an adult woman. Why would you even comment on this, right? No, I'm just like, you're going to freeze to death in that. Or your legs are showing, it's bare, it's cold out. I'm not trying to control. Just like, do you want to rethink this? Because I love you, Mm -hmm. I care about you. This is something I think you're going to regret later on. Okay, so I'm approaching it from this, I'm connecting with you, I'm protecting you, you know, but it's being perceived as control. Okay, Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that moms and daughters can make these bids for connection, but they can, in effect, come across and be perceived as a bid or an attempt to control. And so they're like, it's it's like opposite sides of the same coin, um, because when you're trying to suggest something to someone, you are being controlling, but that suggestion is rooted in the desire to connect. Exactly. And I think that's where some of the problems come in. We sometimes interpret bids for connection and protection as an invasion of privacy because Mm. we want to be an individual person and make our own decisions and we don't want you to have to chime in. Yeah, you stay over there on your circle. You You know, our circle. Exactly. I want to stay in my circle and wear this little skirt. Yeah, stay in your cherry lane. You know, my cherry lane, right? You know, um, so again, and mothers or, or and daughters both don't realize that when we reach out and say things like that, that sometimes it can undermine the other person's confidence and it can be perceived as being critical. And as we I, all know, criticism is one of those those central tips the of four the iceberg. horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, right? exactly. Who, th- those exactly. are some of the most dam- criticism is very damaging to a relationship, but. You know, I think that the one of the things you're saying that's important to note is that our friends, okay, if someone were just a friend and they were to say, are you going out in that? Mm-hmm. The question doesn't feel as loaded or the criticism doesn't feel as loaded, right? Because uh, a couple of things. One, my friend and I don't have decades of history and where one person told the other person what they could or could not wear and controlled their bedtime and their, you know, curfew and things like that. Exactly. But also, because my friend is just my friend, I can take or leave their opinion because it's very easy to see the places where we're different. And I could just say to myself in my head, oh, we've got different styles. She doesn't like this skirt, but that's because she's different from me. 
Having that history makes it so much more loaded. Let's turn to some nerdy talk, some academic talk, (laughs) because one of the things that comes up when we talk about connection are relational dialectics, right? And dialectics, that word actually means tensions or oppositions. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So what are tensions or oppositions that are related to relational things? (laughs) You know where I'm going. (laughs) Okay. Talking point number three. Well, well, all relationships have these, but they become so much more loaded in the adult mother-daughter relationship because of this notion of history, right? This notion of connectedness or disconnectedness. Okay. Powerful, being powerless. Ooh, okay. Always managing, being open, being closed. How much do I want to let her in? How much do I want to keep her out, right? So managing all this on an ongoing basis we, we do it all the time, but, but it becomes so much more loaded because of this long history of how I have been with her, not how I am right now as an adult. Okay. All right. So what I'm hearing you say is that every relationship has these opposing tensions, not tensions. I don't mean arguments. I mean, uh, these sort of back and forth, like a pendulum swings this way and that on some of these dynamics that we find in a relationship. One that I just heard you mention was openness and closedness. So there's a pendulum swing between times when I'm open and times when I'm closed, or a pendulum swing on topics where I'm open or closed. And you mentioned some other things like that too. You said uh, connectedness and disconnectedness or closeness and distance. And these are dynamics occurring in our relationship. And they're constantly, it's like I'm picturing multiple pendulums swinging back and forth along these continuums. Yeah, multiple continua along the way. And, you know, going back to my story about my mom being threatened by my marriage, in the sense that I probably became more closed with her, right? I was telling more things to my husband and not to her and sharing more things with him. So what do I do, right? I make a decision to say either, mom, buck up, listen, let it go. I'm married now. Or do I think of it from her perspective? What are her goals? Her goal is to 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 feel connected still, okay, and not replaced. So mm-hmm. I might make an active decision to include her more in my disclosures, Mm -hmm. in my sharing, in my life. And maybe I have been, I don't know, maybe I have Mm -hmm. been excluding her in some way. So thinking about that, reflecting on it, um, and because I want to maintain my relationship with my mom, I may want to start sharing more openly with her um, certain things. Now we want to put boundaries around our information. I love the word boundaries. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Favorite word of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Topic number four in maintaining connection is boundaries. And boundaries, what do we mean when we say boundaries? Uh, Just like if you picture a fence. Um, So uh, I'm going to say let's picture our two little cherries hanging on their little vine. And then I just draw a little fence around each cherry. (laughs) And uh, there are uh, things that it's really good to have boundaries of things we share and don't share. And, um, and, and what's interesting is that we can share or not share, but still there are these other pendulas swinging where we can still feel connected, even when we have a boundary around a place where we're closed, 
right? So um, what, do, what do you think? Do, can you imagine the little fence around your cherry? I can imagine a nice little picket fence around my cherry. Now, it has to be a permeable fence, or not a permeable, but but mm. adjustable fence, okay? Because sometimes I may want to keep a fence around this information, but sometimes I may want to co-own that information with the other cherry, but not with some other cherries. Where this metaphor is getting out of hand, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should stop talking about cherries. Uh, you know. <laughs> so one last point. Do you remember I mentioned how my students are constantly in contact with their mothers using their cell phones, messaging each other multiple times per day? Yeah. So college students consider cell phones to be an important means of communication with their moms, right? It's kind of like an electronic umbilical cord. It challenges this this notion of being connected, but also being autonomous, trying to weigh and balance this need for connection and closeness and being an autonomous individual. The pervasive use of cell phones enables parents and their young adult children to remain in frequent contact. That's great. But it also provides opportunities for parents to exert control over their children, even over a great distance, and requires. Um, sometimes for some mothers, right, excessive connection. Our friend, Dr. Amy Miller-Ott and her colleagues, they did a study of more than 500 college students and their cell phone rules and daily connections with parents, both mothers and fathers. Okay. They found that um, a few messages a week between parents were perceived as caring and like normal connection, or even daily check-ins were not perceived as problematic and could be perceived as, you know, caring. But specifically for moms and daughters, when moms started weighing in on their daughter's decisions and daily activities mm. and less of those big picture issues, there started to be more problems and greater avoidance of moms. Moms started being perceived as more, what you know, helicopter moms. What are helicopter moms? Helicopter moms. Um, it's a version of overparenting, right, where parents or moms demonstrate excessive involvement in their children's lives um, and apply developmentally inappropriate parenting techniques and tactics, failing to allow for, you know, appropriate levels of autonomy. They're overly directive um, of their child and their child's choices. Again, this is excessive connection. So just as a refresher, we've talked about two kinds of excessive connection here, enmeshment where we have few boundaries between her and me. I don't know where do I start and where does she begin? And then there's this helicopter parenting where my mother is constantly directing my choices. Those are more unhealthy kinds of connections in mother-daughter relationships. Okay, so we have a question from a listener, and this listener is Alexis, and she's got a great question for us about how to talk to your mom. So here's her question. So a question I have is how do mothers and daughters navigate autonomy and the desire to control and really more so protect the other from decisions that they don't necessarily agree with? I say for both sides because as an adult now, I am more viewing my mother as an equal and there are just some decisions and choices she's making that I don't really agree with. But I don't know how to navigate that, especially because she still sees me 
as a child, even though I am 37. And really vice versa. There are decisions I have made recently that she disagrees with. And it's just tricky to navigate a conversation. That is really a great question. So, Allison, why don't you take the Hello Daughters tips for today? All right. Hello, daughters. How do we navigate talking to our moms about things that that can be challenging and that they may not want to hear from us about? Um, Let me give you three things to consider. And uh, these three things are deciding to stay in your lane, priming the pump, and then staying in your lane. Okay. So what do I mean by the first one? Deciding if you're going to stay in your lane. The first thing I want you to do, daughters, is have a little bit of introspection here. Um, Our moms are going to do lots of things. But remember, I'm over in my circle. She's in her circle. And so I really need to decide if this is something that needs discussion or if I need to let it go and stay in my circle or stay on Cherry Lane, (laughs) as we might say. (laughs) And so is this really a topic that I need to address? Either something that could be dangerous or really emotionally damaging or something that I feel like, wow, I need to intervene because I love this this person, Um, not because I'm smarter or my way is better. Okay, so that's number one. Decide if you really need to address it or if you need to go over there and stay in your lane. All right, so let's move on to two. Let's say I decide to address it. Okay, I'm going to address something that's very important and I want my mom to take me seriously. So my suggestion is to prime the pump for a big conversation. What do I mean by prime the pump? I mean, you should not have big conversations just out of the blue after you've already been talking for 45 minutes on the phone. Whoops, here's a big conversation. Or, oh, you're getting in your car to leave in the driveway. Whoop, here's a big conversation. Nope. You need to prime your mom that you'd really like to sit down with her to discuss her decision to... Uh, get on TikTok (laughs) or whatever this thing is that she may be doing that you are nervous about. Okay. And you prime the pump by saying, I'd like to talk to you about this. Can we sit down next week or can we schedule a phone call next week? So you let her know what the thing is and when it's coming and you schedule a time to talk about it. And that allows both of you to be prepared and it adds some gravitas to to the conversation that this is important. And that gravitas helps her to see you as an adult who is bringing a meaningful point of view to bear. All right. And thirdly, the last thing that I want you to do after you've had the big discussion, you've told her the things you need to say, now you need to leave it alone. Get back in your circle, stay in your circle, whether she takes your advice, your opinion or not, has nothing to do with you. She may make her own decisions and you have to leave it alone and stay in your lane. You don't need to comment. You don't need to follow up to see if she does it. You have to leave it alone. So those are my three suggestions. What do you think about that? Those are great tips, Allison, really. I think those are great tips for mothers and for daughters. Um, Some additional tips for mothers that I have. Hello, mothers. Hello, mothers. I'm going to give you three tips. (laughs) So conflict is basically interference that you get in reaching your goal, right? So two people have different goals or they perceive interference in reaching their goals. So the first tip is 
what is your daughter's goal in talking with you about this and scheduling this conversation and initiating this conversation? As we were talking about before, sometimes caring kinds of comments can be perceived as criticism rather than caring. You have to look at it from her point of view. What is her goal in this conversation? What is your goal in this conversation? The second tip that I have is mothers, please see your adult daughters as they are now, not as they were. Who are they today? Who are you interacting with today? Okay, please don't interact with her from the point of view of how she used to be. Interact with her as the person she is now. And my third, and this is for everybody, mothers and daughters, is, you know what? Withhold your opinion if you disagree, unless it's a matter of safety or health or something. You know, sometimes you just need to stop and say, maybe I just need to provide support. Is it necessary to share my opinion? Just something to think about. That's some wisdom right there. I really love those tips, Michelle. And I really had a great time discussing connection and disconnection with you today. And ultimately, I want we want everyone to remember that the, the goal of this podcast is for mothers and daughters to live better lives. So take what you liked and leave what you didn't. Um, but we hope you come back next time. See you then. Improving mother-daughter communication by starting with you.